Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Another Battle of Alberta goes tonight. An 8 o'clock start here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. A lot of talk about it between now and then. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein. Logan Gordon, our producer. Today we got some Buffalo Sabres talk as they have made a coaching change very early this morning uh, for those of us here in the Mountain Time Zone. But a lot of the focus today is going to be on the Battle of Alberta as the Flames look to continue to make the math look a little bit nicer as they take on the Oilers for more of a breakdown on tonight's game let's chat with peter labardius flames insider peter labardius brought to you by the gemini group home renovations your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are give your home the gemini difference the gemini group now offering air miles reward miles visit geminigroup.ca good afternoon mr labardius how are you today sir i am great mr klein i am great Glad to hear it. Uh, Flames, Oilers tonight. It is an 8 o'clock start here on your radio. And uh, Calgary once again going with the if it's not broke, don't necessarily try to fix it as the lineup looks uh, exactly the same as it did a couple nights ago going up against Edmonton. Yeah, it looks pretty similar. There were some absentees today in terms of yesterday. There were certain key individuals who put in extra work like Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk and we'll get more on them in part in just a few minutes probably more interested in the other group Peter to be honest talking about the Oilers and um, Mm. just left as their morning skate was coming to an end and they had an optional themselves and I watched them practice yesterday can't believe Jujar Kara was back on the ice today I can't believe he was back on ice today, um, which is absolutely awesome news after the punch that Mr. Ritchie landed on him in the game two days ago. And Tyson Berry, and they're both being called day-to-day, but Tyson Berry, who left the game relatively early with an injury, was also on the ice. So, probably more interested lineup wise in those two and you know wondering if they are both going to be in tonight or not in tonight still would be hard for me to fathom that Mr. Kara in particular could be ready but I guess at uh, 7.35 or 7.30 we'll, we'll have a better indication because that will Peter make you know changes needless to say for the Oilers and how Dave Tippett goes about his business. Yeah, and especially with Barry on that power play, he's been such a big part of what they've been able to do, and and that power play is just fantastic. And so taking a a piece out of that would not be an easy adjustment to make for Edmonton. No, and remember, too, not only is he a big piece of their power play, he's a big part of their first unit with Darnell Nurse. Mm. So you're talking about a player that averages – you know, in the 22, 23, 24-minute range, a lot of nights, depending on how the game is going and whether the Oilers can dictate to their opponents, not necessarily the area of their team that, you know, people look at first. Uh, I think it's a real growing strength for that team as, you know, certain individuals continue to grow and get better, whether it's Bear, whether it's Bouchard, whether it's, you know, a guy like Samarukov on the way. So, you know, that's a developing situation. But, you know, they made 
a commitment in the off season and Tyson Berry on both those fronts is really key to what the Oilers do. And on top of that, check his numbers too, Mr. Klein. He's always put up good numbers against his opponent tonight. That being the Calgary yes. Flames going back to his days with the Colorado Avalanche. On the flame side of things, one of the things that we talked about with Daryl Sutter coming into Calgary is, is trying to find that identity. And we know that Daryl Sutter coach teams generally have that identity. It just from my perspective, it does kind of seem like the flames are inching towards that. But, but what, what, where are you at in terms of this flames team finding an identity? Well, it's a process and I would put it this way, Peter, in a lot of different areas, very succinctly. How you form identity, I believe, whether it's individually or as a team, in any type of team, is knowing who you are and what you are. And when you think about Daryl and his strengths and what in his outstanding coaching career he's been able to do, is identify those things and help players understand clearly what their roles and what they do as a team. Isn't that for you? I know it is for me. Is it for you not the missing link sometimes between consistency, expectations, and being more consistent? Yes, absolutely it is. So... I think it's in progress for this team, which which only makes sense where they are. They've put three really nice games on the table. They're not in a playoff spot. They're going to have to continue to do that. But from yesterday's availability, just to further make the point, again, defer to the coach. And here in terms of the identity and the understanding of who and what the group is, I'd like you to listen to this. I think with the firepower, with three teams in particular, uh, that might be our best way to win hockey games, is, to, is for us to play tight, because I don't know if we have the firepower in terms of goal scoring to... Uh, to play a wide open game with them teams. And my guess, Mr. Klein, is those three teams are tonight's opponent, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Winnipeg Jets. So when you are playing those teams in particular, checking for your chances, being difficult to play against, have your details defensively buttoned down and being more comfortable in low-scoring games and managing those games, I think is part of this team continuing to grow and finding its identity. And on top of that, you know, where do certain individuals fit? And when you look at a game... You know, from any type of coaching perspective, you're always looking for advantage or where you can gain it over an opponent or what you do better. Well, even in the case of tonight, 
if you truly feel like the sum of your parts gives you the best opportunity to beat an oiler team led by, you know, two guys in particular, and again, not underselling the value of the Oilers as a group or what they do or what they're capable of. But that means your team game and everybody on your team needs to take care of that first and foremost to give you an opportunity to win. Yeah, I, I remember when we were doing the, the, the Combat Central, um, when there was a, a grappler against a striker, I would always say, if the crowd's with, booing, with the grappler's having a good night. With Girona, yes. Um, yeah, you know, that that well, foul mouth. the Girona. language. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, when, the, but the, the parts that you could let your kids listen to. Um, when we would have a, a grappler against a striker, I would say, if the crowd's booing, the grappler is having a good night. And I kind of view that the same way as, as this matchup, where if we're talking, if people are talking on Twitter about maybe not the most entertaining of hockey games, I would suggest the Flames are having a fun night against the Edmonton Oilers. I, I think they want this to look as boring as possible at times as detailed as possible would be right. and and I get and, and I agree with you Peter you do not want to get into a track meet with this group you don't and especially in the 25 minutes of the 60 minutes when you know two guys might be on the ice which you know is another part of tonight that I'm curious about is every time I watch the Edmonton Oilers, I'm always interested by the utilization of, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. You know, you go back to not the other night, but you go back to the previous meeting. Well, the Flames played such a good first period that Dave Tippett made an adjustment to put them back together. Then fast forward to the other night. Well, again, the Flames put it where you talked about or I like to say in the mud with really nice rubber boots on and Dave Tippett after about three shifts for those two guys together said that and with Jujar Kara leaving the game we need to split these guys tonight so you know those are the game within the game and their utilization but the bottom line is, you know, in every game, Peter, one team is trying to dictate to another. The next step is to be able to watch and understand when that happens and what allows that to happen. So you're right. You don't want to trade punches as you made that reference of combat with those guys, you know, and get into a free flowing trade chances kind of game, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You want to limit chances, make them defend you with offensive zone time and make the most of yours when you get them. 
Breaking down flames and oilers with our flames insider Peter Lavardius here on Hockey Central at noon. Uh, we, as mentioned before, three games into the second era of Daryl Sutter hockey with the Calgary Flames, and another one of the things we we're focusing on were some of the players who could benefit from having Daryl Sutter behind the bench and who would be kind of quote unquote Daryl's guys and who would be able to to step up in the type of hockey that Daryl likes to play. And it, it certainly seems like we, we found a couple of examples of that. Peter, let me ask you this question. Okay. So now three three games in, three games in, um, would you agree that without a doubt the team play is better and more consistent? Absolutely, yes, 100%. Now, the next part is, from me to you, who in your mind is thriving individually who might you still have some questions about? And has that really changed very much for you? Uh, players who are thriving, uh, I, I am suggesting everyone buy all of the Dylan Dubé stock while you can, because I, I think he has been absolutely fantastic um, uh, under Daryl Sutter. Andrew Mangiapane w- would play well for a turtle as a coach, but he, he's been great in this role. And I've really liked what I've seen from Brett Ritchie with Gaudreau and Monaghan. And when we look at guys who maybe need to ante up a little bit more, um, Gaudreau and Monaghan have had some some spurts where it's been really, really good, but still a couple of times where it's a little bit too quiet. And I would say after a real good start, um, Sam Bennett is kind of fading into the background again. So those are a couple of the ones who I've kind of noticed positively and negatively so far. Well, I think you're uh, most certainly you and I are very, very much aligned again in that regard. Why don't we, I asked the coach, remember yesterday we talked about what looked to be individual work on the power play and, and going through some sequences and some roles. And there were four forwards participating in that power play trying to score more type of drill. So I asked Daryl about that today on the coaches show, which you can hear around 7.10, 7.15 with Patty and I tonight, little precursor for that. And as Daryl answered that question, he gets to, in part, some of the players, at least for him, that have really, really played well in his, short time with the team you know you look at like Manj and and Dubes you know how well since I've been here you know they've been outstanding but I just think that the the established guys can be a lot better players at it and and a lot of times just the reps I don't know if they're getting the practice or it's their practice habits but they can certainly go out there and and, uh, we can work on their feet and work on their hands and we can work on nothing better than shooting the puck in the net at the end of the day there's nothing better than scoring the goal so those guys can, uh, those kids were out there yesterday and we asked them to do some of those things. It's, it's not just a confidence thing, but it's actually where they can, they can get 2 to 5% better at it. So that to me, you know, again, the four guys in that drill were Dubé, Monchpani, Monaghan, and or not Monahan, pardon me, Kachuk and Gaudreau. So they went through a lot of sequences. Again, reps, good reps, 
feeling better. You know, they had, um, you know, not a pylon, but a, a version of equipment in the drill to begin with where, you know, guys were cutting one way to go around that, you know, was like having a defenseman on the ice shooting through that screen, going around it, you know, other drills of working with one another, taking pucks in the offensive zone off the boards, being pressured in the drills, the reps. But coming out of it, yes, Dubé, Mangiapane, and they've, they've played great. Now, have the other guys played poorly? No. Johnny Gaudreau doesn't have a point yet, which isn't always you know, where you want to go. And, and Matthew, I think, has been absolutely 100% just fine. But I found it at least to be a really interesting answer when I asked him about, you know, power play looking work and skill work, who was involved, why they were involved, and where they're trying to get to. I think this is one aspect of things that, that we as fans on the outside kind of forget. We would just assume these guys are NHL players, they know everything, and practice is just like a bunch of skating hard and stuff like that. But th there is still a teaching element at the NHL level that I, I, I think goes into coaching, and it really feels like Daryl is focusing a lot on, on just like specific details right now. And I, I liked his clip um, that, that we just played just that two to 5% better. And when you are playing at the national hockey league level and the margins are so slim, if you can get that extra two, per, uh, two to 5%, boy, that makes a really big difference. And I, I really liked that, that part of the clip that we played. Yeah. And I liked it too. And listen, it's again, to, to take a team to the best places you possibly can is every player, night in, night out, has to challenge themselves to be at the best they can be individually and then work together collectively. And, you know, whether it's Daryl, whether it was Jeff, whether it's pretty much every coach in my career I've ever dealt with, is, you know, what makes people great in all aspects, comes down to, again, right off the top, what did we talk about, Peter? Understanding who and what you are, both individually and collectively. And in so many cases, it's not about working on the things that we like. It's challenging yourself to work hard at the things that don't come as easy or that frustrate the daylights out of you, you know, to break it down and really get to work when you're going through hard stretches. And, you know, when you think about Andrew Mangiapane, what really, Peter, for you, never tapers off with him? You just, you just said you think that guy could be coached by a turtle and, and get <laughs> to the same place. Well, what's the, what's the commonality for Andrew when you watch him go about his business? It's the the effort and the work ethic. Like he he is just absolutely work. relentless out there. Yeah, the work. It's the work, and so all different players have different skill levels. They have different strengths. Certain things come easy. Um, other things become more challenging. But that, to me, if you've 
ever been around team sports and fine coaching, fine team, not individuals, but team is the ability to get more out of people by, yes, reinforcing for sure. You can't lose when you're doing things with people, especially right now. You know, people have to feel good in order to feel like they are valued and want to dig in. But then the next step is digging in to get to a better place. Uh, last one for you today, Lou, as, as we get ready for back-to-back editions of the, the Battle of Alberta. It, it just seems commonplace now with how the schedule is that we're going to have these baseball-type series where it's a couple of games in a row. We have another one coming up with, with Toronto in a little bit. I, I find it a little more interesting now that the Flames have a new coach and a, a different style of play or a different how method come? of attack, I suppose. How, 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 how come? Well, I just one of the things I was looking at going into the season was how how do you play differently while still staying within yourself when you're playing the same team every single night? And from a Flames perspective, that changes. I'm not going to say dramatically, but these last three games have looked different than the first 26 did. And so I I look at it as this is now a new Flames team going into some of these matchups. And now these teams that... I don't want to say they, they became accustomed to it, but you at least kind of had an understanding of what to expect. Now that changes a little bit with, with Daryl Sutter as the head coach, if that makes sense. It, it does. So to flush that out with you, my friend, it, mm-hmm. is that about you feel differently about the schedule and the nature of the schedule or what's happened in three games has renewed your interest because you have more belief in the group that you're watching on a regular basis? Definitely the latter. De- definitely the the renewed belief in, in what this team is able to do. But also, like the the Flames had played the Oilers a handful of times before this series, but Edmonton hadn't seen that Flames team until Monday, and Toronto won't have seen this Flames team until they face them on Friday. And I think not that every team needs to fire the coach midseason to mix things up, but I, I think that that shift really does add a, a bit more unpredictability to the game plan against the Flames going into the the back half of this season. You know what? Um, respectfully, mm-hmm. I disagree a little bit, and here's okay. how I disagree. Um, again, getting back to one of the things that we've talked about, I think the big difference is not necessarily that this Flames team has been overhauled. It's not that certain individuals are doing it different. It's not for me necessarily that um, the team, you know, structurally, system-wise, is going about its business different. I think the difference is we saw a lot of this in spurts. Right. We didn't see the consistency of, like, even if I go back, Peter, to the two games against Toronto, I did see a team for two games that was dug in and competed and worked their tail off. Yes, were they outshot. Yes, did they have great goaltending. But again, even going back to what Daryl talked about, when another team has more firepower, and in the case of the Toronto Maple Leafs, more depth, arguably, do you not think that that team is probably going to carry the play? 
So mm-hmm. that's the difference for me is is your ability to dig in and adjust and understand that again tonight the game's going to be different than it was two nights ago. Can you stay within your team game and your team structure, not let it slip, but be able to ante up both individually and collectively when you need to? That's why I love the schedule, and I've loved it from day one. Because while, and I get it, it's not for everybody. It can be mundane. It's not always exciting, but I love the evaluation of seeing how players go through it, adjust to it, that it is more difficult right now, COVID even related. I think it's an awesome time to assess. I really do. Yes. That, that part we certainly do agree on. Um, and we get uh, another at least 60 minutes to assess tonight as the Flames take on the Oilers. Lou, enjoy the game, and we'll chat about it tomorrow. Thanks. Have a great afternoon. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. If you miss any Calgary Flames action, make sure you catch our Flames Roundup highlights twice a week, hosted by Pat Steinberg. Look for it online on Twitter, Facebook, and at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Brought to you by Brightside by ATB, a new banking app to help you spend and save for what you love. A major a major change in Buffalo. Is it the first of many? We'll talk with Joe Yurden about that coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. A major change with the Buffalo Sabres today as a 12-game losing streak has cost Ralph Kruger his job. Welcome back to Hockey Central at noon, everyone. I'm Peter Klein. Logan Gordon is our producer today. Very pleased to be joined now by Joe Yurden, who covers the Buffalo Sabres. Joe, how are you today, sir? Doing good, Peter. Good to talk to you today. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, generally, when a team loses 12 games in a row, something is going to change. But uh, were, were you surprised at the, the timing of today's announcement that the, the Sabres were going to make a coaching change? I wouldn't say surprised. Uh, I, I, think, I think everybody could sense this was a move that was coming uh, eventually. Uh, I think I'm honestly more surprised that it was a move that didn't happen a couple of weeks ago. Um, but with the uh, with the the Sabres bringing fans into the building for the first time since uh, the COVID shutdown uh, this weekend, with the Boston Bruins coming into town, no less, um, I'm, I'm not surprised by this timing whatsoever. It's probably probably better for everybody that this happened. So what what has gone wrong? Because there was some optimism going into this season, as there have been for a number of seasons with Buffalo, with Taylor Hall coming in. Um, how has this season gone so far off the rails? Well, I, I, I kind of made a joke yesterday that, that you know, the this, this season was sponsored by Murphy's Law, where, you know, just literally anything that, that could have gone wrong has gone wrong for them. And um, it really applies because uh, their shooting luck has been uh, awful this year. I mean, they've, you know, for, for all the lack of production that people are pointing towards uh, to, to Taylor Hall, to Jack Eichel, to Jeff Skinner, uh, for having um, it's not without trying uh, they've they've had a ton of scoring chances and opportunities you know whether it's a hot goalie or you know just 
unfortunate circumstances. Uh, the, the pucks haven't gone in. Um, that's been a huge that's been a huge problem for them, and it's cost them a lot of games without a doubt. Uh, but the goaltending has been poor. I mean, Linus Allmark got hurt, and he's he's been out. He's probably out for another couple more weeks. You know, he's he's played steady, but um, you know the defense has been an issue as well. Um, the defense really sagged back uh, compared to even last season under Kruger, uh, where the, the the ability and the skill and all that like it should be there. Uh, but for some reason, a lot of these guys are they their their production and their play just slip back quite a bit, and distressingly so in the case of guys like Rasmus Dahlin. When we look at the the issues with the Buffalo Sabers, um, like you said, that this did feel like a move that was coming. But is this a, a coaching related issue? Is it a roster construction? Like is is Ralph Kruger just a fall guy, or or were there legitimate coaching issues in Buffalo? Do you think? Well, it, it seemed like this was this is more on Ralph, um, based on the last okay. last month or so. I you know I, I look at how this team plays, and you know there are a lot of high octane offensive players. You know, with you know everybody that I mentioned before, and you, you, know, you factor in uh, Victor Olsson as well. And they added Eric Stahl. I mean, they they added the, the the people to be able to make this make this team score a lot of goals. Um, but their style of play is counter to that um a lot of the way that they play the game was slow play um very kind of stationary offense uh a lot of shots from the blue line and from the point looking for traffic and you know you've got a lot of guys that like to 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 play off the rush and and to take advantage of their speed and their skill and that's not how the Sabres game was really set up to play and uh to me that points towards coaching and that points towards uh the coaching style and um, you know, they, they were, you know, they struggled a bit with, with being able to do things when they're in the zone. Um, and that's, you know, to me, that's, that's not having a, a good cycle game or a good, a good way to, to kind of rotate players in and around. Um, they, they certainly didn't seem to like to activate the defensemen. Uh, once they're in the offensive zone, it was a very stationary from their part. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly point that towards, towards coaching, um, you know, the, the, the players they have on the roster are, they have a lot of very good players, but, um, but yeah, but when it's, when it's coming apart like that and, and things just aren't working, sometimes you just fall into very bad habits. And that's certainly the case here. So with that in mind, a lot of people are assuming that a teardown is coming with the Buffalo Sabres. If some of these issues were coaching related, is this last stretch of the, the Buffalo Sabres season maybe a bit more of an audition opportunity for some of these guys with a new coach? Or do you think a teardown is coming? Well, it's it's crazy to think they still have half the schedule left to go. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they hit their midpoint uh, with their loss to New Jersey yesterday. So, I mean... They, there's still a whole half half of a season to go, even though it's felt like it's felt like five seasons long with these first 28 games, with just everything that's happened with you know with injuries and the the, the COVID stuff from they got from New Jersey and just all of that. But um, but I think this is this is a build up to the to the trade deadline because you have future UFAs and uh, Brandon Montour and Eric Stahl and uh, Taylor Hall as well. Um, I know I know Hall's name is going to get thrown around quite a bit. Uh, for teams looking for for extra help, I know the Islanders are getting mentioned now because of Anders Lee's injury. Toronto, you know, the Maple Leafs, Toronto's got their hands on everybody um, when it comes to that stuff. So, uh, I think from that respect, there's there's going to be a lot of discussion there because uh, the Sabers are, I mean, they're forever out of even getting a whiff of the playoffs in their own division. So, 
they're done. They're done and, and buried as far as that goes. But um, but as far as auditions go, I, I'd be more curious to see what happens if they hire a full time coach before the season's out. Um, I think they should. Um, you know, you know, whoever that winds up being, I think that's I think that's the smarter move instead of you know just kind of waiting until next year and seeing how things pan out that way. I would much rather know what you're getting into next season and, and giving these guys a reason to, 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 to look ahead to next year. Uh, how realistic would it be for, for Don Granado to just take over as a, a full-time head coach with the Sabres then? Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, history would show that there's certainly a possibility. We saw this happen with Ron Ralston uh, when they fired Lindy Ruff back in 2013 uh, that did not turn out very well. Um, <laughs> they brought, you know, they brought Ralston back after he, he was the interim after they fired Ruff, and um, he was fired what a month, a month and a half into the next season when things started really started off terrible on uh, the thirteen fourteen season. So um, there is there is precedent for it. I don't suspect that that will be the case. Um, I, you know, I I know that they want to they want to kind of you know, guide the ship here for a little bit. But I think when you're looking to the future and, you know, you want to keep guys like Sam Reinhardt and Jack Eichel happy and, and in, you know, thinking about staying in Buffalo long, you know, even beyond their contracts. Uh, I think you need to get somebody in there that's going to, 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 you know, to get things established and to, to kind of lean in those guys' talents and, and to make them a winner. I know it's, Tough to say that after those guys are going to be working on their fourth head coach now in, in their, what's five, six seasons in the league. Um, that's really tough to, to really sell that point. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, if, if you're looking for a long-term solution, I, I don't know that Don's that. I think Don's a great guy. Uh, I just don't know that he's, he's the guy you want to move forward with uh, into the future. When you mentioned Jack Eichel, and a lot of people are assuming that the the frustration is just going to boil over with him with the, the Buffalo Sabers. What do you view? Obviously, hurt right now, but what do you view Jack Eichel's status as being with the Sabers at this point? You know, I, there's so much talk about you know how he's that. A lot of the belief, you know, from fans is uh, there's a lot of fans that that believe that you know he's going to end up wanting to get out anyways and i think a lot of that is uh, the, the fatalism a lot of buffalo sports fans just have in general that you know no matter what bad things will happen <laughs> um but i i do believe that jack loves buffalo uh i think he i think he's he he's a big fan of this town he, i know he loves the passion everybody have here everybody has here um but i think that that puts it more on management to get things right to make him happy i mean you know, I look at you know, I look at how his contract set up, and you know, he's got a no move clause that begins after next season. And you know, if things aren't right by then, uh, you know, I would imagine if I would imagine Jack would would be very quick to tell them, like, listen, this isn't this hasn't been working. This has been you know six, seven, eight years at this point. You know, it's time to it's time to go. You know, it's <laughs> time to go. And here's my list of places I'll, I'll want to go. But um, but I, it, it's on management to make sure that that conversation doesn't get to happen. And I think that puts the real pressure on things to happen here for the next couple of years. I think, if anything, uh, moving on from Kruger and getting getting somebody that's that that that's willing to to kind of get things right and to do the right things to push the right buttons for everybody is is of the utmost important now for 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 the next coach because 
you got to sell, you got to sell them on that and that Jack's going to be here for the future, but you also have to sell Jack on it, that those, that this next coach is going to be the one to get it done. When we look at the, the Buffalo Sabres, you mentioned trying to build around guys like Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. Are there other like untouchable guys on, on this Sabres roster right now that if teams came calling, you would just kind of hang up the phone? I would think Dylan Cousins is one of them. Um, I certainly think that that's the case. I, I you know I know Kevin Adams said they're open for business, and you know I, I think if I think if if you're going to call on anybody else though, I mean your ask has to be huge. If you're going to call on Eichel, I mean it's got to be a monster ask. If you're going to call on Darlene, it's got to be a humongous ask. So. You know, from that respect, I don't, I don't know that anybody's truly, totally untouchable. I think Cousins is probably the closest one to that, um, just because the way he's been able to step in this year. I mean, granted, he's injured right now, but um, but I think his progression just through the, the handful of games this season uh, is very promising. So I, I, I think that's somebody that they're very excited about and, would you know, they, they want to see where that goes. But you know, for everybody else, I mean, it, it seems like only yesterday guys like Eichel and Reinhardt were, were, were drafted, but, you know, we're, we're a lot of time into this now. And, you know, these guys are established stars and it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's, it's harder to be able to say, to say no to trades like that. It's, it's way harder to do that. Um, but it's not an un, it, it's not an, a hang up the phone sort of ask unless you're coming to, unless you're coming to the GM with an absolutely ridiculous proposal i don't think i don't think the phone gets hung up okay uh joe thank you for this really appreciate the insight obviously it's been a, a rough go for uh covering the buffalo sabers but uh where can people find your work you can you can find me uh, you can find me on twitter at my name joe yurden uh you can also find uh, some of my work at the uh, ap sports and also at die by the blade on the sb nation uh, series blogs so uh, a lot of places to find me uh joe really appreciate this thank you Hey, thank you, Peter. Take care now. You too. There is Joe Yurden covering the Buffalo Sabres, uh, and he helps us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. One of the closest playoff races in the NHL got a little bit closer last night. We'll break that down coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We continue to get ready for the Flames and the Oilers. Coming up tonight, it is the Battle of Alberta on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, our producer today. The East Division getting a lot of attention this afternoon as the Buffalo Sabres make a change with Ralph Krueger. Uh, Buffalo not involved in the playoff race. I would suggest the Devils aren't involved in it either. And then after that, uh, probably not the Rangers. But it is still, I think, probably the most intriguing playoff race in the National Hockey League, aside from obviously the one in the North Division because it happens to involve the team that we cover here. But this playoff race in the East Division is just so fascinating because you have Pittsburgh, Boston, and Philadelphia all involved. All teams who I, I would consider marquee franchises in the National Hockey League. And all teams that, I mean, of those teams, one of them's missing, right? Like unless the Islanders without the, the leadership of Anders Lee absolutely fall off of a cliff then one of pittsburgh boston and philadelphia is missing and this conversation gets a little bit more intriguing with the result last night as boston picks up a 2-1 win 
over the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins are seven or sorry, six points clear of Philadelphia in this playoff race. They sit in third. Boston holds the final playoff spot in the East Division. They are three points up on Philly, but Philly's played the fewest amount of games of all of them. They have one game in hand on Boston and three on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And when you look at, at how this is going to shake out, honestly, truly have no idea who the, the favorite is in this right now, because you, you would assume that it is Pittsburgh because, well, they have more points than everyone. But again, they've played more games to get to that point. And I have been making a point all season long. I think this is an incredibly flawed roster. And it is fantastic that you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin to hide most of those flaws. But when you're competing with the Bostons and the Philadelphias, it gets a little bit trickier to hide those flaws. But then you have Boston, who that top line, obviously fantastic. And the goaltending, when it's on, some of the best in the NHL. But then after that, you're hoping that Jake DeBrusque takes a step. And he has, it's just been in the wrong direction. And it, there just isn't that same second wave with Boston that we have seen at times in the past. I think the depth is better than Pittsburgh has, but those two teams certainly are not without flaws. And then you have Philadelphia, whose roster I love, but now Carter Hart, and it looks like maybe he gets back on track with a, an all right showing, but Carter Hart's now not playing very well. And so the problem for Philadelphia, which has been the problem for Philadelphia basically my entire life, is they can't get a save. So you have three teams that have ridiculously high expectations going into this season, one of them is going to be bitterly disappointed. And Pittsburgh has already had kind of the change forced upon them with Jim Rutherford stepping down as GM. But you wonder, what happens if Pittsburgh misses? What happens if Boston misses? And right now it's Philadelphia who's doing the missing. What happens if that happens? for the, the Flyers. So, um, Logo, is uh, I bring you in for the, the first time today, and uh, I know you're cutting stuff, so I, I deeply apologize if I'm getting in the way. But I, I look at Pittsburgh, I look at Boston, I look at Philadelphia. When I see those teams, I see playoff teams. One of them definitely isn't going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think that makes this the most interesting playoff race in the National Hockey League right now. It certainly has the, the potential to come down to you know, I think you're right that one of those teams is probably playoff caliber that's going to miss. And right now it's it's anybody's guess as to who that's going to be, because although, you know, Philadelphia is three points out of it, that's their own. You know, they've got a game in hand on Boston. They've got games in hand on everybody ahead of them. And as we know here, when you start doing that math and you're playing these teams all the time, you can quickly make the math look a little bit better when you're winning games consistently against the teams that you're chasing. So we'll see. I think you're right. I think for, for Boston and Pittsburgh, it's kind of the question of can the, and maybe even Washington, but they're, they're pretty firmly entrenched up there uh, at the top. You know, is it a question of, is the core, you know, past their prime? Is this their contending window sort of stuff? And I think whenever you've got guys like Crosby or Bergeron and they're getting up there, you, you're going to naturally, you know, start to think about those sort of things. Yeah, and that's why I think the DeBrusque situation in Boston is so worth monitoring because, like, that core is aging, and they're still very, very good. But you need, like I said before, you need that second wave to come in and, and really help out, and DeBrusque is supposed to be a part of that, and he hasn't been. Um, and maybe that turns around, but, yeah, I, like, I... 
I don't know which one of those teams is really like the locked in right now. And when we looked at it at the start of the season, it felt like they were all kind of locked in. These are going to be playoff teams, but we knew this division was going to be really, really tough. So uh, aside, like the, the North division has a good race, as we are going to discuss throughout the day. The East division has a good one. Other than that, not a ton for playoff races. Like the, the new division format for this year has been a lot of fun, but you look out in the central, I guess like, Columbus is four points back of Chicago. Uh, there is absolutely a world where the Blackhawks fall off, but is there a world where Columbus makes a real charge? Eh, Dallas could. They have five games in hand and are eight points out. So like the math still doesn't suck for them, but they haven't been overly impressive this season. And then you look out West, St. Louis is five points up on Los Angeles. And while that does not seem insurmountable, I don't know anyone who would suggest that LA is going to be five points better than St. Louis the rest of the way. So it, it does kind of seem like while this has been a lot of fun, we're losing some of the drama as, as the, the season starts to, to reach the midway point. We'll see if maybe some of that picks up. Uh, a couple of texts at 960-960. Um, isn't it, a, talking about Andrew Mangiapane earlier, we were saying... I, I have been gushing about Manjapani for a while and continued to with Peter Labardius today, which, by the way, if you missed any of that, you can check it out on uh, sportsnet.ca slash 960 later today. Isn't it a problem that Manjapani plays from his knees on the ice as he's always knocked down and he is not fast enough? This is something that I, I caution against sometimes. Not every player is going to be everything. Manjapani, I, I don't look at him as someone who has a speed issue. Is he the fastest skater in the NHL? No. Uh, is he the slowest? He's not even the slowest on his line. So I, I, I don't really have an issue with the skating and the, he's always knocked down because he is always getting in situations to get knocked down. He is battling. He is competing just because he ends up getting knocked down in some of these. And just because he's not outskating anyone or everyone, sorry, doesn't mean that it is a problem. Players are allowed to have a certain amount of flaws. Manjapani's work ethic, his relentlessness and his being really good at hockey is able to make up for some of the shortcomings part in the pun. So I, I don't look at anything uh, in Manjapani's game right now and think, Oh, there's a problem there. You just have to understand that each player is going to be, each player is going to have a couple of different things that maybe aren't 100% perfect, but the, the the positives very much outweigh the negatives when it comes to Manjapani. Uh, this text about the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders will miss 15 of their games so far, have been against the Devils and Buffalo. They will fall out. Um, fair. Absolutely fair. But also, like they've taken full advantage of that, and they have not lost in regulation at home this season. And I understand like that they have played some of the easier teams in this division and the other teams just by how math works are going to be able to play those teams as well. But 11 points is still a lot to drop in the span of 26 games. That would be holy crap. That, that would be a, quite the drop. And even like with the, with the inclusion of three-point games and everything like that. Like, I just don't view the Islanders. Uh, maybe they won't finish second in the East Division, but I, I would be stunned if they fall off a cliff that much with just how well that team is coached. But an interesting perspective on uh, an interesting playoff race in the East Division. Um, I'm Peter Klein. I am at home. Logan is in the iconic studio 
Powered by Iconic Electric and Controls, Iconic proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008. They take great pride in giving back to the communities we all work and live in. Telecommunications, it's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. The Flames are keeping things the same against the Oilers tonight. Is that a good thing? We'll break that down. Plus, we'll hear from Daryl in Hour 1 of the Big Show, which starts next.